because we see how God works. These brothers are evil. There is no doubt what they did to Joseph, uh, how they took this approach of getting him out of the mix. One would think that they could never be reached, that God could never work with them again. But here in Genesis chapter 42, we read this powerful story how God was able to take these hardened brothers and finally get them to realize what they did. And basically, of course, not saying they were wonderful Christians, but God got them to a place where they got right and, uh, and he worked in them. And I see really three things uh, that come to mind when we're talking about how God reaches hard people. This chapter is 20 years later. Joseph had been sold into slavery. 20 years later, we read how God began to work here. And our sin, it always catches up with us. Uh, what is curious, of course, is uh, Dad never forgot. We note in verse 4 that he wasn't about to give up his second favorite son. Jacob had favorites, sad to say, but he did. And two of them, Joseph and Benjamin, of course, he already lost Joseph. He knew he'd been deceived. He knew that these brothers were in it. So he wasn't about to let Benjamin go with him to Egypt. And even 20 years later, uh, they, they didn't restore it. There wasn't something that they did for dad to trust them. And, uh, and sin is never forgotten about. And so we see here that God is going to take three things in these brothers' lives to get them to confess and get right. And, uh, and I want to encourage all of us that no one is without hope. You may say, well, pastor, you don't know. I got a family member. They are a hardened, hardened case. <laughs> these ten brothers weren't easy going either. And yet God worked in them. And God brought them to a place where they realized they're wrong and they got right. So I want to introduce those three steps. And then, of course, the fourth is to see that outcome of what God uh, got them to in his presence. Let's pray. Father, I thank you tonight for your love and for your goodness. I pray that you'll bless the, the truth that you laid on my heart. And I pray that it'll help and bless all of us here today. I thank you so much that uh, no one is beyond reaching. That no one is so bad off that God can't uh, rescue them and help them. I pray that we'll take great encouragement in that and help us to be reminded of the fact of what God can do in anybody's life. In Jesus' name, amen. We all know hard people. We all know people that are difficult to reach. And, uh, and we struggle with the fact that sometimes we wonder if God can get a hold of them, if God can reach them. He can't. Now, it may take 20 years. It took 20 years here. And it took some incredible events for this to happen. But I want us to understand, I see three things that God does to get someone who has a hardened conscience, who is not where they need to be. Number one, first of all, we see here this morning the extreme need. You know, God has a way of taking life and using it to get our attention. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much character you have and how much you have on top of it and you've got your act together. Life brings some things that no one could ever imagine. Things happen in our life that are unforeseen. Sometimes it's extreme. Sometimes it's a great challenge. And sometimes God meant it for us to wake up. These brothers would have never thought that they would go back to Egypt. To be honest with you, on planet Earth, this was the very last place they ever wanted to go. They knew full well that when their brother was captured, 
and that, uh, that he was taken, the proximity of where he was to go was Egypt. They never wanted to go there. They didn't want to face their sin. They didn't want to face anything. That is the last place these folks wanted to go. But you see, that's where God wanted them to go. God wanted them to face their sin. God wanted them to face this. And so he gave these dire consequences in order for them to go. There's something about starving to death that makes you do some things that you don't want to do. And the truth of the matter is, God has a way sometimes of getting us to a place of doing something that we wouldn't do otherwise. Here in Genesis chapter 42, notice the Bible says in verse 1, Now when Jacob saw there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do you look one upon another? Interesting wording, but think about what was going on. These brothers were looking at each other because, again, they knew what their dad was about ready to ask them. That's how bad the situation was. There was no food anywhere else. We know that God had ordained Joseph uh, to make sure that Egypt was uh, well fed and that there was food there for that famine. And also, Joseph was going to be used to reach his family. God was in all that. Now, Joseph had to go through a lot to even get to that place. And Joseph experienced a lot of hardships to get to the place where God was going to put him in a position to get his brothers right. And God always works. That's why never give up on somebody. That's why somebody in your family that you may look at them and you say, there is no earthly way they're ever going to get saved or they're ever going to go to church. You don't know that. You're not God and you don't know what God can do. You don't know what event that God can create in their life, what thing can happen in their life that will get them to the place where they will come and get saved. Amen? So don't play God. Don't think that you know better than God. Don't think that you've got your family figured out or you've got a friend figured out that, that you've labeled them with no hope, that you have thought there is no way they're going to come into a church and get saved. You don't know that. And God works on people. And God, when He works on people, He does a better job than you and I could ever do. When God wants to reach somebody, when God wants to get someone's attention, He'll get it every time. You say, well, what can God do? He can do a lot. And God uh, allowed a famine to happen. And Dad said, I've got to send you to Egypt. And the Bible says that they looked upon one another because, again, the last place they wanted to go was Egypt because they would have to face their sin. They would have to look within. And 20 years later, their soul and their conscience was asleep, but God awoke it. 20 years later, they thought they'd gotten past this and they wouldn't have to deal with it, but they did. Seven years of abundance had come to an end and God was about to have His way. Jacob saw how they behaved. He was concerned, and that's why he didn't send Benjamin. May I say this, sin, it has no expiration date. God provokes a crisis in their life to do what? So they can face their sin. And sometimes God brings us in, into a, a difficulty. Sometimes things happen for a reason for us to get our attention. There's just something about when you lose your health. There's just something about when, when, when you lose a job or something like that happens in your life. It gets your attention. It gets you to the place where you kind of reevaluate, and sometimes even a person that chooses not to even consider God, when that happens, all of a sudden they begin to think, man, maybe I need to think about God a little bit. And these brothers 
had to begin to think about what they did 20 years earlier to their brother. That was on the shelf. That wasn't something they wanted to think about. That was something that was 20 years uh, later, but now they got to deal with it. God uses life. God uses extreme circumstances sometimes to get our attention. That's why you and I need to have an ear to the ground. That's why you and I need to realize that when these things happen, that, that we need to get there. When all of a sudden we find out maybe a family member uh, is about ready to face a surgery or they're not doing well, don't drag your feet. Don't tell yourself, well, man, I've witnessed to them many times. I've invited them to church and how many times I've talked to them about God and never one time were they ever interested. But you don't know what God's doing right then and there in their life. You don't know what's going on in their head when they're lying there in the hospital bed and they're, and they're facing a surgery or they're facing a life-changing thing. You don't know what's going on, so get there. When a family member cries out for help, I, I know it's hard because sometimes family can do all kinds of things to us, can't they? Sometimes family can burn their bridges, can't they? Sometimes many things transpire throughout the years and all of a sudden you're just to the place where you want nothing of it. But you're still family. And God is still working on their life. And sometimes a family member is brought to a place where they're ready to change. And they make an appeal to you. They cry out to you because they know you're a Christian. Because they know you know God. So sometimes you have to put your hard uh, feelings behind you. Sometimes you have to step up and say, you know what? Even though I've experienced all this, even though there's some hard feelings on both sides, I'm going to shake that off and I'm going to go visit them and I'm going to hear what they have to say and give them the chance, I'll give them the gospel again. I'll tell them that God loves them. Sometimes harsh treatment is how God begins to work. God took this famine to direct these brothers to Egypt. Number two, may I say this, harsh treatment is often what God uses. So we know that sometimes there's an extreme need, excuse me, then secondly, harsh treatment. Sometimes that's exactly what our conscience needs to wake up. Sometimes it's the kick that the world offers that begins to help us think about our need. The world's cruel, and we all know that. And if you think that it's not, you, you got some moments you're going to have to wake up. I know that we look at the, the world and we understand it for what it is, but sometimes when it's in uh, your realm and sometimes when you are affected by it, you realize how cruel the world is. Look down, if you would, in Genesis chapter 42, and let me just read a little bit more here, if I may, in verse 6. The Bible says, And Joseph was the governor over the land, and he was that that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. Now to most people, that was sweet. Think about it. These guys sold me as a slave. Man, I went to prison. I couldn't catch a break if I wanted one. Is probably what Joseph was thinking. Joseph was probably thinking, man, my brothers, they left me for dead. And now 20 years later, these boys are coming here and they're bowing down and kissing my foot. To most people, they would think, man, this is sweet. 
revenge. But that wasn't Joseph. This wasn't revenge to Joseph. Joseph didn't live long enough to see this right in front of him. Joseph was an incredible man. He was a godly man. He went through all these experiences and, and never lost his spirituality. I don't know too many of us that could go through that. I don't know too many of us that in our lifetime, in 20 years, never catching a break, everything that we try to do, every, everything that we try to do right, always worked out the opposite and ended up in prison, ended up in false accusations, ended up forgetting what I did for you. I don't know how many of us 20 years later could retain our spirituality, but Joseph did. And Joseph was a spiritual man. Joseph understood that God did all this in his life to get him to the place where he could be second in charge. And God wasn't doing that so that he could have revenge on the very uh, brothers that sold him to slavery. That wasn't in his thinking. That wasn't in his DNA. He understood that God did all this so that he could preserve his family and he could get his brothers right. You know, th that is the sweetness of Christianity. I know our family can hurt us, and I know friends can hurt us. And I know people can be cruel and very unkind. And I know people can be judgmental, and they can arrive at conclusions that are not always the case. But as a Christian, God wants us to be just like Joseph, to be the type of Christian that puts that aside and, and thinks about the fact of someone else's spirituality. God wants to reach your lost family. He does. God wants to reach your lost friends. He does. And sometimes the very person that He uses is you. And sometimes you have to get over your hard feelings. Sometimes you have to learn that, that God has brought your family to this place so that you can step up and you can get them the gospel. So that you can be that person that's there to help them to come to God and know God. And the truth is, you're not going to be able to do that if you harbor bitterness. You're not going to be able to do that 20 years later if all you can think about is, man, these guys sold, sold me into slavery. These guys left me for dead. And now they're going to come and they're going to bow down and kiss my feet and I'm going to do anything for them? Verse 7, the Bible says, And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them, and said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And you understand, Joseph 20 years later is going to look a little bit different. But on top of that, they're still going to be able to recognize that he's a brother. But the problem is, he's dressed like an Egyptian. You don't get to second in charge of a country and don't uh, take on uh, their garb or their dress. You're going to do that. He looks like an Egyptian ruler. So you can imagine, even though he might have some features, it's really hidden by the, 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 the dress that he has on. The Bible tells us that he's rough. Now again, immediately we probably jump to a conclusion thinking, well, he's going after these boys. He's going to get them. But he's trying to do all that he can to masquerade the fact of being a brother. He's trying to do all that he can to, to push them and get them to a place where they realize they need God. You know that sometimes people need to be pushed. May I say it again? Sometimes people need to be pushed. I'm so tired of hearing, well, man, I just, you know, I don't want to make my kids go to church. Well, bless your pee-picking heart. Do you say that tomorrow when they got to go to school? 
How many parents tomorrow wake up their kids and say, do you want to go to school? You know if I asked him if he wants to go to school tomorrow, you know what his answer would be? No. I want to go to the Cubs game. No kid wants to go to school unless you're in kindergarten. And then it's kind of hit and miss. Man, I never asked, never was asked one time from my mom and dad if I went to school. I laughed because we had our awards. Brother Phil and his mom did a good job, and these kids did a good job. And three of them got perfect attendance, and I laugh every time a kid gets perfect attendance. They really don't have, you know, a decision there. They're going to school because mom and dad are going to work, and you're going to school. <laughs> and, uh, and they're always there because mom and dad are going to work, and there's no choice, and they're there. And many times, you know, that's not the most exciting reward to, uh, to receive, perfect attendance. But the truth of the matter is, sometimes it's difficult with our family. Sometimes it's challenging. Sometimes they're there, and they, they push us aside, and they aggravate us, and they frustrate us. But God has never given up on us. And you don't know what God's doing. You don't know what God has done to bring them to the place where they can be safe. So go. Go to the hospital and see them again. Go when they call you and say, hey, I know we haven't been in a good place, but I really need to see you. Go. And Joseph was rough with his brothers, not because he was seeking revenge, but because he wasn't trying to give himself away. He was trying to push these brothers of his, to back to God. He was trying to get them to realize for the first time in 20 years, they finally got to face it. First, first time in 20 years, they have to acknowledge and realize they've done this. Verse 8, and Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew him not. And Joseph remembered uh, the dreams which he dreamed of them and said unto them, Ye are spies, ye see the nakedness of the land, ye are come. So he labels them as a spy. He knows they're not, but he, he steps up and, and, and begins to harshen these things so that they're, they're ready to come and know the Lord. Verse 10, And they said unto him, Nay, my Lord, but to buy food are they servants come. And we are one man's son. We are true men. Thy servants are no spies. And he said unto them, Nay, but to see thy nakedness of the land, ye are come. He's accusing them of coming for wrong motives and and, and, and he keeps going back to that, and they keep saying, no, we're not that. He could, of course, spoke about the fact that they threw him in jail, but threw him in, in the pit. Verse 13, and he said, thy servants are twelve brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is the day which our father, and one is not. Isn't it amazing what they've worded as? They still acknowledge that Joseph is living, and how crafty their wording is that, you know, one is not. Yeah, that one is not is right there, looking in your eyes, speaking to you. Verse 14, And Joseph said unto them, That is that I spake unto you, saying, You are spies. Hereby you shall be proved by the life of Pharaoh. You shall not go for hence, except our youngest brethren come thither. Send one of you, and let him fetch your brethren, and he shall be kept in prison, that your words may be proved, whether there be any truth in you, or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. And so he forces them to do something that they do not want to do. Think about it. Dad doesn't want this. These other brothers, they don't want this. And Joseph is bringing them to a place where they're going to have to do something that's uncomfortable. You know, God has a way of doing that in our lives, doesn't he? God has us 
come into some circumstances that make us pretty uncomfortable. God sometimes agitates us. Sometimes God puts us in a place where we, we never think that we would be there. But He's doing that for a reason. He's getting us to that place so that we can come and know the Lord. And thank God, I look at some of you today, you probably never thought a couple years ago that you'd be in church like you are today. But God has a way, doesn't He? God has a way of sometimes making you uncomfortable and bringing you to a place where you're ready to receive Him. And that's what Joseph was doing. Joseph was harsh with them and spoke harshly, and he was asking them to do something that they and their dad would be very uncomfortable, but he was doing that because he wanted them to get right. He wanted that uh, ability to test them and to realize, hey, are they really going to want forgiveness? The great philosopher Lucy explained to Charlie Brown at an end of a game. She had lost sight of the baseball and had failed to make the catch. So Lucy said to Charlie, sorry, I missed that easy fly, manager. Uh, I, I thought I had it, but suddenly I remembered all the others that I've missed and passed and got in my eyes. And don't let the past get in your eyes. Don't let the failures, don't let the things distort you from coming to God. You see, my God still says our sins are what? Are in the bottom of the sea. And we know that we can be forgiven. And what our world needs today is forgiveness. And what our world needs today is somebody like Joseph that comes along and says, I'm going to forgive my brethren. I'm going to let them get right with God. And I'm not going to hold them up to the fact that they did this to me 20 years earlier. And the truth of the matter is, thanks be to God that he did that. There in Genesis chapter 42 and verse 9, jump down there. The Bible says, and Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed of them. He remembered, but he forgave. I'm not saying we forget. I'm not saying we don't think of the hurt. What I am saying is we forget. We forgive. He didn't forget what his brothers did. He didn't forget the fact that this was done 20 years earlier. But he forgave them. Now he was trying to get them to the place where they needed to be. How does God do that? He does it with extreme need. How does God do that? He does that with harsh treatment. Thirdly and lastly, how does God do that? He does it with loneliness. Genesis 42, let's go down to verse 17. Joseph says to his brothers, now I want you to go back and I want you to bring my younger brother back. Or he doesn't say his brother, but bring your younger uh, brother back, Benjamin. Verse 17, and he shall put them all together into the ward three days. And Joseph said on them, the third day, this do I, and live, for I fear God. If ye be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye carry corn for famine of the houses. But bring your youngest brother unto me, so you shall your words be ver verified, and you shall not die. And they did so. They ended up in jail. They were separated. And this was a very valuable time because they began to examine where they were at. Notice what the Bible says there while they were in the state. They were in notice in verse 21. They said one to another, we are what? Very guilty. So, you know, sometimes the hardest person you have to deal with is yourself. It's not what others are saying. It's not the consequences. It's dealing with yourself. 
How do I know that? I, I see what people do to not deal with it. Why people get drunk? They don't want to deal with self. Why people get hooked on drugs and out of their mind? Because they don't want to deal with self. That's why people self-medicate themselves, because they don't want to deal with their self. Because it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to look at where we're at. Sometimes it's hard to live with that guilt that we're living with. And God said here that these brothers, when they were locked up, they, they realized, man, we're guilty. We had this coming. We deserve everything that we're getting. And notice the Bible goes on, it says, And they saw the anguish of their soul when they besought us, and we would not hear, therefore, as the distress come upon us. And Reuben answered them, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child, and you're not healed. Remember Reuben tried to stop them? Now, can I say Reuben was complicit too? Just because he made an appeal and tried to stop this, and yet it still went on, he's still a part of this. But, but Reuben, of course, is one of those type of people that tells you, well, remember, I told you so. Don't you love those folks? Man, if it's not bad enough living with the guilt, then you got the other ones that come along and say, well, I told you so. God bless you. Thank you. That, that's exactly what I needed right now at this moment because it's going to change everything. You know, the historians, they always bring up the history of the events, you know. What's that going to do? You already know where you're at. You already know what you're experiencing, but, you know, you got to be told, I told you so, and here's the history of it. No, aren't you glad that God doesn't do that? That's why God said of our sin, it's buried in the bottom of the ocean. Could you imagine what heaven would be like if you had a bunch of people in heaven reminding you of all your history? Boy, heaven would be awesome, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you love living next door to one of those people, you know? Always brought up how bad you were when you were young and how you did this and you did that, like you never did anything. But Reuben did that, didn't he? When the Bible says, he spake unto them, saying, Do not sin against the child, and you would not hear. Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. But God was working. And realize, for 20 years, they hadn't dealt with this. And now, 20 years later, they had to deal with it. And there's no excuse. And what they were saying in their own words is, there's no excuse for this. We have, we have no reason but to be punished. We have everything coming to us because we deserve that. And you know what? That's when the door is open. That's when somebody is ready for our last thing, to meet God's presence. See, sometimes the hard person, they need the extreme need. They need the harshness of treatment. Sometimes they need the loneliness. And sometimes God is working in someone's life to get them to the place where they're ready for God. Jump down to verse 25 and we'll be done. Genesis 42, then Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with corn and to restore every man's money into his sack and to give them provision for their way. Thus he did unto them. And they laid their asses with corn and departed thence. And as one of them opened the sack to give his ass provender in the inn, he spied money. For behold, it was in his sack's mouth. And he said unto his brethren, My money is restored, and lo, it is even in my sack. And their heart failed them, and they were afraid, saying one another, What is this that God? Have done 
unto us. You see, they realized they didn't deserve this one bit. They knew what they deserved was that prison time. Now all of a sudden they've been released and all of a sudden they're given the food that they so dearly need and on top of that, they're given more than that. And what an amazing statement that these brothers can say, what is it that God hath done unto us? That's what happens when God begins to work in someone's life. And all of a sudden, 20 years later, they realized all the things that they missed out on. They realized all the different blessings that God could give back to them, but they chose to live that life that they did. They chose a life of isolation. They chose a life of, of godlessness, and they chose a life of no blessing. Now all of a sudden, they realize the goodness of God. All of a sudden, they realize the goodness of the Lord. And even, we didn't have time, but even when they finally realized that this man was their brother, and he didn't kill them, and he didn't lock them up in prison for the rest of their life, they realized how good God is. And Joseph, in his own words, said, for such a time as this. All this worked out so that these hardened brothers could get right with God. So I don't know who it is today. You know who it is, and I won't ask the name. But I think each and every one of us have somebody in our family that would be like this. They would not come to church. They have no interest in God. They don't care, and they, they don't want anything to do with it. And you say, Pastor, they're never going to get to church. They're never going to. No, we have a God that can do what you and I cannot do. Man, I've seen some tough guys in my life. And when I mean that, I mean guys that I wouldn't want to fight for me. You know, not a guy that run away, but a guy, you know, crucified. And I've seen some tough guys be broken. Tough guys that I never thought would shed a tear. Tough guys that really, they, they're unemotional, they don't share their emotions, they, they box them up and they have nothing to do with that, and all of a sudden, God begins to work. I've been asked to even visit some of these people. I love when I'm told that they don't like pastors, they don't like church. But would you go see them? Sure, I'd love to. <laughs> I hope knock on the door and come in and, and get that look. Can I just say this in 21 years? And I've been told that. I've never had one of them chew me out. I've never had one of them cuss me out and say, leave now. Now, I've not had everyone happy to see me. But I've never had one of them so unkind to tell me just to leave right now. You don't know what God's doing. So stop playing God. Stop thinking that you know. And realize what Joseph was able to do with these brothers. Now, did they turn out to be wonderful Christians? No, but they, they got right. I mean, were they the type of member that was doing everything that God wanted? No, they weren't. But what encourages me the most is in chapter 42 is to realize what God did to get them to this place. And from that chapter, I can live my life knowing, hey, you can say all you want that that person is never going to come to church and that person is never going to get saved. You're not God and you don't know that. And if these guys 
who could care less about their brother and sold them and did all they did to him, and they can come to the place where they got forgiveness, where they can come to the place where they got right. And someone in your family can do the same thing. Someone that is a friend, someone that is a co-worker, God can work on them. Sometimes it takes loneliness. Sometimes it takes extreme hardships. Sometimes it takes these events, but, but I'll tell you what, God, God can crack that nut. God can take that hard exterior and that hard uh, heart and soften it and do something wonderful. Don't give up. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your friends. Say, well, man, you don't know, Pastor. They, they, they've taken thousands of dollars from me. I understand that. I'm not saying when they call, cut them a check for another 500 But, man, you know. You know when you get that call and there's desperation in their tone. And they're not asking for money. They're not asking. And they're apologizing. They're saying, look, I know I've, I've done you wrong all these years. And I know I sh- I, I'm the last person that should call you. And in that heart of yours, there ought to be enough Christianity to say, you know what? I can forgive them, and I'll go there, and I'll help them. Father, bless. We thank you so much for just this practical side of Christianity. Thank you for this powerful story to, to show us, man, these brothers, they, they were something, boy, I tell you. They, they, they were not good men. We know that because Jacob even gave us the, the testimonies of them. And yet you worked in their lives to get them to the place where they, they could ask for forgiveness and they can get right. Gives us great hope today. I pray that you encourage each and every one of us not to give up.